What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Bradley. This is episode number 40. And the date today is Tuesday, March 10th, 2020. Uh, So if you've been keeping track, this is only my second episode of 2020. Uh got really out of it i've been doing a lot more uh focusing on music and um just kind of got uninspired um but anyway you know hopefully i will get re-inspired um so some some things lately the the first thing would be the coronavirus uh it's obviously kind of dominating the news it's starting to dominate um, a good bit of everyday talk, you know, between uh, friends at the office, whatever, you know, I've had 10, 15 conversations, you know, about it today. We've got multiple emails at work about it. I'm getting emails from airlines about it, you know, our meetings, we had some all hands meeting, a regular meeting, but, you know, there was a part in it about coronavirus and what's gonna happen they're shutting things down like south by southwest i think um the uh, coachella festival i think was canceled uh i saw earlier today i mean and these numbers change really fast um but 13 states have declared a state of emergency i think one of them i'm not even sure if they had a single case in it uh i guess they were just trying to get ready embrace themselves um where i live in atlanta fulton county closed the uh all the schools um with no definite like reopening date um a friend sent an article harvard university has shut down the campus and all their students have to be out like within this week and they are going to do like online classes or something. Um, I think Google on the West Coast has told their employees to work from home. Uh, a buddy of mine is in Seattle at Facebook. And I, I believe you can still go to the office if you want. But there's barely anybody in there now. Um, so, and currently I'm looking at uh, experience experience dot oh, i don't even know how to share this dot arc gis.com it's a whole crazy url just google current coronavirus um map or something and worldwide there are uh 113,000 almost 114,000 confirmed cases 4,000 deaths and in 110 different countries um now their report is actually two days old, so it's saying the U.S. Um, current cases, U.S. It says there's only 472. So that was like two days ago. Oh, yep, two days ago, and now we're at 973. So. Uh, more than doubled in two days so that's um there's some others 
models I saw that that predict like doubling every six days, obviously doubling every uh, two days would would really be really be bad. We'd be like, you know, every person in the world would have coronavirus twice by like, you know, June if that kept up or something. Something outrageous. Uh, so, uh, I guess the New York Times has a live, kind of like a pretty updated thing. And um, they're showing right now the number of new cases is increasing every day. So, today there were, I'm not, I can't totally read this, it, it's not precise enough, but like 225 cases new cases and then yesterday there were 200 new cases and the two prior days it was more like 125 new cases so it went from like then it was 75 maybe so it went like 75 125 100 you know maybe 30 200 now like 250 or something 225 um so you know we're getting we're getting the, the rate of infection or the number of infection people getting infected is increasing every day. And um, they uh, also, I'm not sure where they're at with the tests. So that's another thing to watch the statistics. There's an expectation that the numbers in the U.S. should jump pretty substantially <clears throat> um, when they get more widespread testing. Uh, I believe they only had in like, I don't know, something on the order of like 10,000 tests uh, in the early days. And they're working to get a million, I, I feel like within the week or something and maybe 4 million tests. But anyway, the, you know, the theory is there's a whole bunch of people that are actually infected in the U.S. Um, that haven't been identified or or you know formally tested so expect those numbers to go up and you know a thousand now is you know it's it's getting up there so i guess you know what do we uh what do we do what do we think about that i i think um you know there's depend it's it's interesting because there's in the kind of more conspiracy theory leaning world of media i don't think that there is a lockstep interpretation um with some variations uh, i think it kind of goes from this is basically a hoax like it's you know i i was listening to monica perez and um she she's actually in atlanta as well she's she's interesting she's a libertarian recently was taken off the air uh she thinks that it's possibly for her commentary on coronavirus so she talked a lot about something called uh ah damn it what was it called something 201 uh anyway it, it was basically like a simulation um at I want to say Johns Hopkins about a coronavirus outbreak 
and you know going through all these things and it's very detailed it's like a whole big exercise that lasts uh like a weekend or something and there's a bunch of stuff in there that tracks you know almost exactly even you know she would cite like and they did this in october mind you this it's not like this was you know 10 years ago or 20 years ago or something and you know when you look at the the headlines that they sort of their fake news headlines that they had in in this exercise they're almost like verbatim what's getting said on tv now so uh it's kind of led her down this path of thinking that it's not a big deal and you know it's basically just the flu and um you know like basically the uh the reaction is the crisis in in this case like it's not you know in if you're like a 9-11 was an inside job conspiracy theorist you might say that i mean obviously the buildings came down and people died lots of people died uh so that's that um what do they call that prop prop problem reaction solution or something like that so it's the idea that the government creates these problems or creates these crises and then the public then reacts to this sort of um, engineered crisis and then the solution is to bring in more government and so the idea is that this is this problem reaction solution is just a cycle that the people of the world are taken through by design over and over and kind of slowly eroding their, you know, freedoms and stuff like that and, and slowly growing the reach of government. Um, and so that's happened. And they would say that 9-11 was an example of that. Uh, definitely don't want to get into that now, uh, the specifics of that. But what Monica Perez was saying about this was that it, it's like the reaction is the crisis in this case. So she doesn't really believe that this uh, COVID-19 virus is any worse than like any other flu. Like this is just the flu season and they are basically experimenting with blowing it out of proportion in the media, you know, because the statistics don't seem to like you know i mean how many people have the regular flu right now in the united states and how many people have died of the you know regular flu uh versus this so so that's one take um you know and she's i like her a lot i mean she was on like terrestrial radio up until a little bit um just really really recently like last week uh, coronavirus exercise 201. I'll see if I can get you this. At least come up with his name. Uh, event 201. That's what it was called. So event 201. And I mean, you you know, you can just look over this. It's event 201 simul simulates an out uh, center for health security dot org. Event 201 simulates an outbreak of the novel Zoonotic coronavirus transmitted from bats to pigs to people that eventually becomes efficiently transmissible from person to person leading to a severe 
pandemic, the pathogen and the disease it causes are modeled largely on SARS, but it is more transmissible in the community setting by people with mild symptoms. Um, so this one starts in Brazil, um, but anyway, it eventually spreads around. But interesting that it eventually gets to bats because I think bats were considered the uh, <laughs> the the beginning of this one. So their exercise went pigs to bats, and they're claiming in real life it just went from bats. Um, I honestly like i haven't looked into it enough i just thought it's interesting enough she's she's super awesome you should definitely listen to um what is her it's called the propaganda report so check her out monica perez and a fellow atlantean and um just to note this uh, event 201 is funded or ran by johns hopkins uh, the Bloomberg School of Public Health, Center for Health Security, the the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So, in case you needed any fire for that um, conspiracy. So, so that's one take, right? That it's not, um, they're really seeing really testing possibly then you you know you could look at well number one they can sort of increase somewhat dependence this could also be like a first test with something not you know terribly deadly maybe their goal is to to really call the population and, and have something really bad out there uh I really don't know. Honestly, I, I mean, I think 10 years ago, I was much more like in touch with the conspiracy angle on everything. Um, and in like, you know, a more sort of in-depth way. Now, I kind of see things a little more I mean, it's not it's not that my views have changed. It's it literally like I, I'm not spending that amount of time, <clears throat> you know, trying to connect all these weird dots. And I think it's really easy to connect dots that shouldn't be connected. Um, so, you know, I will do everybody a favor and not, you know, not not try to weigh in too heavily i mean even if i <clears throat> you know do believe one kind of conspiracy theory over another i you know i'm i i'm not putting that much weight in in my opinion on something like this at this point uh so you know then you have kind of the other side of it um have you ever heard lift the veil he is, uh, I forget his actual name, he uh, broadcasts on DLive, but you can actually just subscribe to him, like, regular regular as a podcast. Um, and he seems to be leaning more towards this thing is, is pretty bad. Uh, so, I, I feel like his maybe his takes a little bit less like in in general i i'm listening to a, a good amount of monica monica perez's um podcast now that her live show uh isn't on but lift the veil he's sort of one of my more like last ditch 
Uh, when I when I don't really have anything, maybe I'm cooking or something, and I just want something. I don't feel like listening to music. Um, it's funny. I'm funny about music. I I play music. I record music, but I I tend not to use music as like background while I'm working. I don't I don't know why. I tend to listen to music kind of more actively, I guess. But because of that, I I think I listen to a lot less music than you know your most people at least in the US. Uh so yeah, I I I kind of forget. I actually did listen to Alex Jones too recently um and I don't really remember how, where he how heavily he was weighing in on like how bad this virus is, but I've also heard a lot uh, I've heard some interviews with people that, you know, about and this is something I really don't hear much in the sort of the corporate media, your CNNs and, and MSNBCs and Fox Newses and whatnot. Uh, I don't hear them discussing the cause, you know, where it just kind of whether or not this is an, you know, sort of a naturally developed virus or is this something that was engineered in a lab and i've heard about people studying uh this virus now that it's out there and it uh you know a lot of people are saying that you know this has all the earmarks of an engineered virus and whether it was released on purpose or it just accidentally you know got out or you know something like that it nonetheless it was an engineered virus so that's pretty interesting uh so there is um a big you know economic effect from this and that seems to be real um i mean i guess i guess as much as you think that the stock market is real certainly the dow jones has has taken some pretty big lumps over the last week uh i was just had this up so well in even in kind of the middle of january it was up over 29,000. I mean, it, I, I think it, it got closer to 30,000. I don't know if the Dow ever actually got to 30,000, but uh, no, there it is. The 52 week high is 29,568. So never quite hit 30,000. So, uh, and today it is at 2518. So it's down about 4,500 points. Um, so that's, you know, that's a, a pretty, pretty steep decline. And it kind of had, it, it sort of cruised down fast, but somewhat steadily there from i don't remember what day set it off like the 22nd through like the beginning of february uh it had a bit of a bounce back um i don't know if it got up it got over twenty seven thousand, i believe me i don't know if, i don't think it got to 28 and then you know it dropped again and then today we had 
so Monday was the biggest point drop, I believe, in, in the history of the Dow. And, and I don't know, by percentage, it was certainly one of the largest, largest in a long time, for sure. Um, I believe it since the 80s. Uh, and then today, you know, today we had a little bit of a bounce back. We're back over 25,000, but just barely. So uh, I'm not really sure you know, what the future holds for the Dow, the futures are 400 points down and apparently Asian markets are slumping now. So tomorrow is certainly setting up to also be a poor day. Um, so, so you got the, the Dow kind of being smushed by this coronavirus. And so there's a lot of theories about that. Like, this is good cover for the bubble. They can kind of let the air out of the bubble and blame it on the coronavirus. And thereby the Fed and, you know, Trump can sort of sidestep the blame. And, and if they're able to kind of let enough air out that they can pump that bubble back up, at least until after the elections, you know, that's like a pretty simplistic conspiracy theory. But, you know, it still ha it still hinges on Donald Trump or basically doing this on purpose um, or the Fed or, you know, somebody like that. But you would need, you know, the response of the Fed to, to kind of go with this. Like the Fed dropped interest rates by a half a percent, which is uh, a large drop i'm not sure how um historic that is but you know i all the moves in a while have been smaller than that and i think there's a good chance they're going to drop it again and you know they could be heading down to to zero percent um the interest rate that the fed sets which if i'm not mistaken is called the overnight window and it's essentially the rate that banks are able to borrow money from the Fed. Um, so, you know, that that's why that sort of winds up setting, you know, determining like all, almost all interest rates or a very large amount of the interest rates that can move in this country are a function of that interest rate. So there's a lot of control that comes and change um, that can be engineered uh, by moving that interest rate. And so they're going to drop it and drop it again. So, um, I mean, as far as uh, the, well, let me, let me stick on a little bit more on this coronavirus um, because I did, yeah, I did want to talk a little bit about then kind of, personally myself um and what you know what i'm doing or what i'm thinking about it and um i would say the strongest clearest thought in my mind right now is that you know people are dying from it and it does you know uh at least what's being reported is it's far more um, deadly for older folks than, you know, even middle-aged and, and younger people. So my concern sort of goes to my mom and my stepdad. They're 75 and 77. 
Uh, so, I mean, I've been talking to her and I mean, even the CDC itself has said that, you know, if you're, if you know, older than 65, you should, you should stock up, you know, get some supplies, get some food and try to just sort of reduce the amount of travel that you're doing, you know, even, even in your local area. So I've talked to her a couple of weekends about that. She hasn't really heeded any of these warnings. Um, but that's pretty normal um, as far as our relationship. Uh, she has, she'll have to hear it from like somebody at her church or something. I don't know. Uh, surprised that the CDC hasn't convinced her to at least prep a little bit. And, um, and then myself uh, just, you know, wanted to stock up on things as well. And I think the bug got me a little bit. Um, you know, historically, I've done some prepping in the past, but nothing like very extreme. I was also pretty poor back then. I was just like a grad student. So those years, I mean, there was there wasn't a ton I could get. Um, but now, you know, I have like a legitimate good job and savings and stuff like that. Um, you know, not wealthy by any stretch, but, you know, I have... I have enough disposable income that I can I can buy some some extra food and you know the other things I mean so the way I looked at it was you know it kind of doesn't matter too much whether you know Monica Perez's take is right or not like if the crisis if the reaction is the crisis um because and no matter what, in that scenario, like, it doesn't even depend on the virus really spreading. It just depends on, you know, these government forces wanting us to get quarantined. So at some point, you know, I would say even in her scenario, there is for sure in my lifetime the highest probability that I will wind up in some sort of situation resembling martial law or where you know it's i'm not going to work no luckily i can work from home so you know that shouldn't really be a problem um there's a lot of people that they need to be at work to work i mean it's like a waiter or waitress um for instance and also those types of job any job right that's not salaried you're just not going to get paid. So, um, you know, that's, that's a really, that's like a really big deal. If, if that is sort of forced on us, I mean, I honestly, I don't even know what percentage of the population is in that situation versus a situation closer to mine, but I would assume it's probably more people are, are, uh, like they need to get to work in order to make money and they're not getting money if they can't get in there versus being able to work from home and you know you're and i'm salaried anyway so you know that's <clears throat> depending on you know how extended that is i i mean i'm not even really sure what the effects of that will be but you know it's not good um, and people really are sick and this really is a, you know, a virus and I'm not just being told by my overlords just to like see how I react to stay home. Um, you know, I, I guess it's just 
you know, that obviously would also could also lead to me like kind of having to be home for a while and not, uh, you know, being able to get out. And, and in that scenario, the grocery stores are probably going to be looking pretty bare already as you know, in a lot of areas they already are. Um, so I, I kind of live in like, a sort of a more poor kind of black area. And I don't think that kind of the news of the coronavirus and the prepping fears and all that is nearly as kind of widespread, uh, you know, in, in this community. So the grocery stores around me, I think, are a little bit more stocked right now than uh, some some people out in in the the burbs are seeing. But you know, give it time, and um, you know, I, my my neighborhood has certainly got its share of violent crime and stuff too. So I think that while it's possibly a little bit easier to get supplies leading up it could also turn, you know, kind of bad around me kind of quicker than, you know, more of uh, the suburb kind of areas. So um, that being said, I mean, to me, I I don't, I, I look at like what happened in China and things are, from what I understand, again, so this is something that I'm not necessarily like, I don't know why. I'm just sort of taking the statistics and stuff that are around on websites and stuff and reported in the news as the truth. I, I think like I just don't have any other source to get them from at this point. Like who else is counting besides, you know, these authorities? So I don't really know what else to say. Um you know how accurate it is i have no idea if it's agenda driven and they're lying and manipulating us i i don't know if they're purposely engineering a virus to kill millions of people i i mean at this point i just have no idea um but you know i think something happened in china and if we just kind of go off these numbers i you know china's numbers are not like doubling and doubling and doubling anymore you know it, it sort of reached reached some peak i mean there's 110,000 or 113,000 cases or something worldwide uh i mean it's been around 100,000 for for days now so you know um i think that the the u.s is going to go through a big you know burst of cases but I think that just the ceiling for how bad it's going to be is China. You know, like China was hit. They were caught flat-footed by this disease. Um, again, assuming that it wasn't on purpose. Uh, you know, the only thing I would say about China that might be superior to the U.S. in controlling this is their government kind of doesn't really care. They'll just put bullets in people's heads if they don't cooperate. Um they will they will go to forcible forcible quarantining you know much much faster than would happen in the United States you know so it's possible i think you could make an argument that the US could actually wind up with worse numbers than china uh but i'm kind of doubtful 
I also think that, you know, what's happening in South Korea, that would be another ceiling. I don't, you know, it's not as bad as China. I think South Korea's government acts much more similar to our government than the Chinese government. Uh, and and they have a much, you know, a much, much more like crowded population. So, you know, I would think that it's worse um, than here. So, so I do think that there's some sort of limit. You know, I, I can't imagine this just going to like the full on end of days, you know, shit hits the fan scenario where I got my bug out bag and some guns and ammo and I'm like you know, eating MRE rations and, you know, hiking through the woods to like meet up with my friends and carve out, you know, a new start, a new civilization. Uh, I, this doesn't seem to have, you know, the legs for that. All that being said, I've never in my life been faced with a situation that had higher probability of seeing me kind of quarantined somewhat you know forcibly in my house for multiple weeks uh and and who knows you know and and who knows like how much i mean they literally like you know i mean look italy look what's going on there uh you know they're excuse me they are uh they have a whole bunch of cases they're locking down like the whole country uh, you know, it's, uh, and I, I think, um, what's her name? Merkel or whatever in Germany. And she's predicting millions of people to Germ in Germany to, to wind up with it. Um, so, you know, who knows where, where this goes, but I would say like, do I think that I'm going to be stuck in my house for two weeks? Uh, not really, really able to travel around much at all. Um, you know, I don't have any like hazmat suits. I never got any of those N95 masks and, um, whatever. I mean, I guess they say like, I've heard a lot of different things about how it's transmitted, but anyway, so, you know, my goal was sort of more about that type of preparation. Um, you know, I think if you're like the stuff I got is lots of canned food, dry food and yeah like this stuff will last a while um but i don't know how long uh how long how long does a can of beans last dried beans so i have some dried beans that uh you know they'll last so let's say they say three to five years so that's you know it's a long time (laughs) i might have some stash for the for the next virus for the real one if if monica perez is right you know it'll come now but i don't know how much i even have you know i I, so i'm not expecting the power to go out i'm not expecting the water to stop running you know, and, and in that case, I mean, I'm going to be in a much different situation, but I mean, I do have some frozen stuff, but you know, anyway, I mean, that, that's like a whole different, a whole different deal. Um, at that point I'm going to be, you know, like trying to get wood to burn and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, anyway, the, 
so that's kind of what I did. And I know, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of backlash they you know people like oh you know the panic it's out of control and people are panic buying and it's so crazy but again look around you talk to the people like there's not a single person at my work that's panicking about the coronavirus i mean the one guy in our group he just left he flew to uh france on friday and now he's in ireland he's gonna be there for two weeks and you know, we were all kind of like, man, I don't know. And he's probably going to come back and have to self-quarantine for like two weeks, him and his his girlfriend. And, you know, who knows uh, if he's going to have it. But, um, you know, right now, our policy at work, or at least a few days ago, was if you travel to China, Iraq, no, China, Iran, or Italy, you have to self-quarantine. Um, but, you know, that's going to change. And by the way, I, I think Italy is pushing like 10,000 cases now. You know, so it's it's ramping up where it's like France and Germany are like a thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that. You know, the US is a thousand, but it was like five hundred two days ago. So we'll see where this all goes. Um, but you know, it let's say I mean today's Tuesday. What if, you know, come Monday morning there's fifty thousand cases in the United States? I mean it's like this could change really fast. I mean, at this rate, and uh, you know, we'll have 2000 cases by Thursday for, you know, all right. So maybe we would be like 8,000 or 10,000 by, by Monday. If we like really kept up this expansion, um, which I, I mean, it, it's pretty possible, especially right now without people being tested, when they bring the tests in, the numbers are going to jump. So, I think it's quite possible that come Monday morning, you know, we've crossed over 10,000 cases in the United States. And I think, like, at that point, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a whole different ballgame. And I think that, like, finding food in the grocery stores is going to get harder already. And, you know, they'll, I think, like, the trucks and stuff, I, I think a lot of that stuff will keep on running. <coughs> Um, I, I'm not really sure like what kind of, um, like to me, I, I don't know anything about anything, but, uh, a truck driver, I don't see that person is, you know, really, really at high risk. Um, he's, he or she. I mean, they're pretty isolated, right? They're just in a truck. I mean, obviously, they're cruising around different places, but I think it's, like, relatively easy. And they even, like, sleep in their trucks. So, I, I mean, I feel like cross-country trucking and shipping could, um, you know, could definitely keep keep going. Um, so... Uh, Hey, here's uh here's some news today. Alex Jones was arrested on a D DWI charge. Uh the notorious conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist, radio host and founder of the right-wing site InfoWars. Oh, they call it a right-wing site. I mean, I know he supports Trump now. But he was completely against Bush. <laughs> he's a he was, he's a libertarian. 
Jones, 46, was booked at 12.37 a.m. on March 10th at the Travis County Jail in Austin on a DWI call charge, which is a Class B misdemeanor offense. Uh, a fine of up $2,000, a jail sentence of up to 180 days or a combination of both. Jones' bail was set at $3,000, and he was released on bond at 4.11 a.m. Uh, other things. So... He, so I think um, the InfoWars also said he was clear of the charge by blowing less than a 0 0.8, the breath alcohol concentration. Uh, I don't understand this, but apparently he's claiming that he, uh, he refused a thumb scan. Um, anywho... So, well, that's interesting. Total side, total, total riff. I just saw it. A friend of mine just texted me. Um, so, okay. So, where was I? Um, I don't know exactly where I was, but I was kind of talking about the uh, the odds of being having to stay at my house being pretty high, and well, high relative to like zero before, right? I mean, nothing's ever ever happened in my life i've lived in the philadelphia area baltimore area uh boston and atlanta those are the yeah those are the four you know areas i've ever lived and they've never been hit by any kind of like major disaster <clears throat> there's never been any like super extended power outages nothing you know nothing really happens um, and I think in my lifetime, I don't know, Katrina is the one thing off the top of my head where, you know, people were in a pretty, pretty bad way. Um, you know, it's not like people were stuck for weeks though. <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't stuck in their house for a month after Katrina. Uh, I mean, you know, then people may not have been happy with the the rescue efforts, but you know, it wasn't that bad. So, uh, wasn't that bad meaning like the amount of time that we could be looking at. So, okay, so I bought I a lot. Oh yeah, I was looking up how long canned food lasts and stuff. So I bought a bunch of canned food, uh, dried stuff. Um, I. Uh, you know soap and stuff like that i mean obviously right that's like the big thing right when soap um handy wipes i've been trying to do that so i've been carrying a pack of wet ones i'm not the guy i'm not like an obsessive hand washer i mean i'll wash my hands after i like go to the bathroom um which probably puts me in the upper echelon of human beings and cleanliness already but i um I don't know. I mean, I'm not like, I never use hand sanitizer, whatever, but I've been, you know, just trying to do it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to get this coronavirus if I, if I don't have to, and I'm dying to be let, uh, you know, be able to work from home. Uh, I don't feel like, well, I just like working from home anyway. Um, but you know, I won't touch any of these supplies unless, unless I have to, I'll just keep business as usual. Uh, I mean, I think, 
Well, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how weird it gets, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess if the if the the numbers go up and up and up, I mean, it might start getting weird to even, you know, go to the grocery store or something. Uh, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as long as the power stays on and the water is flowing and the gas is on at my house, like I'm pretty straight. Um, I, I I probably got at least a month of food and stuff here. I mean, my one thought was to travel up north, like if we, if we get to work from home, just to be with my family, uh, you know, kind of get my mom into uh, an area where at least people do have some supplies and have some weapons and stuff to defend themselves and defend her. Uh, because, you know, otherwise, she, you know, she just, she just doesn't think like that and doesn't prepare like that. And, you know, she's 75 years old. She's made it this far and she hasn't had to. I mean, she's basically been correct. So, you know, I, I can't totally like argue with it, but, you know, myself and my brothers and stuff, I think I'll have a little bit, a little bit more, um, of a stockpile of, of stuff in, in that case. And I think too, you know, um, if like society totally breaks down, uh, I may, you know, I love my friends and everything like that. And, and we're close and I've known some of them for a long time, you know, more, I mean, the ones in Atlanta, I moved here in 2013. So, you know, 16, 17 years, some of them, I guess around that, well, maybe more like 15, 16 years, whatever. But I don't know, you know, like, I mean, I'd take a bullet for people in my family. I'm not taking a bullet for like my friends. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. And, and vice versa, right. It's like a different level of, of commitment. And, you know, I don't have a wife or kids here. So, you know, I might, I, I could definitely see doing that. Uh, I, the, flip side of that and i'm uh, the only reason i'm talking about this is i you know i've been kind of wanting to hear different people's thought process on why they're doing what they're doing or why they aren't doing anything or you know it's it's kind of interesting to me um and so i thought i would just kind of run through mine and and this is kind of how it goes i i sort of just run through scenarios and try and think of things and you know, see like what's reasonable. I mean, I'm not going to spend like $10,000, you know, to, to secure things. But if I can, you know, spend an amount of money that isn't going to really affect my, you know, financial future plans too much, and it buys me a month of sanity, uh, or, a, you know, a month of safety, uh, then like, I'm going to, you know, I'm making that choice. And like I said, this is, this is, there's no way that you can argue with that in my 42 years, almost 43, March 29th, will be 43. My 42 years, I've never been faced with a higher probability of some sort of situation like this, where having a stash of food, um, and supplies at my house was really necessary for actual survival, uh, where going out would be more dangerous, whether it's dangerous because there's martial law and it's illegal, or it's dangerous because there's a bunch of sick people walking around. Um, you know, be nice to know that I at least could, you know, weather like a month of that, uh, at least to get, you know, to get started. And during that month, you know, maybe you make 
you do sparing you, you get out sparingly and you order thing you know and and you pick it up i mean I, it'd be really interesting to see how the economy functions right because i mean people are still going to want to make money like for instance i mean my company we uh let's say we're in the uh the parking industry and you know there's no doubt that we are going to take a hit because of this and i like i said i mean i don't think it's gonna like direct i don't think suddenly they're gonna like say hey everybody's gonna take pay cuts um but we you know we are owned by a much larger very popular big brand um only tangentially related to to actual parking or you know somewhat related but anyway and i mean at what point uh, you know what are they going to do right like what is what is our like sort of parent corporation going to do if like 2020 turns out to be a nightmare and they're not selling you know any of their stuff and then they got this uh parking subsidiary that they purchased that is way underperforming that had an injection of a bunch of money this year you know i mean who knows you know it could i i guarantee this coronavirus thing picks up substantially in the United States, it's gonna it's gonna kill some businesses for sure. So anyway, so yeah, let's say that that's how we can migrate more into <clears throat> a bit of the economy. What's what I've been thinking about with that. And hold up, let me pull this up. And the other topic was the election. I wanna just I'm not, I don't think I'm going to go too heavy on, on either one of these, but I just want to talk. So we talked about the stock market and <clears throat> what I'll say about this is I, I do think it's, I don't think it took the, you know, whether or not the coronavirus happened or any sort of major catastrophe, catastrophe like this happened. Uh, I don't think it was necessary to pop this bubble, right? Um, I doubt many people listening to this believe that. I think we were all mostly amazed that the bubble has lasted this long. We're talking, you know, a 10-year straight just print, you know, low interest rates. And then in recent years, they really slowly inched them up. And, you know... And and now, uh, you know, we've seen a huge drop in the Dow and we'll see where that keeps going. But again, right, if we're at 10,000 10, cases by Monday or more, I mean, what's the Dow going to look like on Monday? I mean, people are already freaking out. Uh, I mean, the the in the financial sector, and I think too because of how hard China was hit. Like you know, I think that the effects of that are going to last very long. I think because we're mostly the U.S. is mostly buying stuff on credit, we can probably bounce back to our old selves pretty quickly. I take to take out loans to buy consumer goods, uh, but China, you know, if they stop producing stuff for a while there's a lull like there's less stuff stuff's gonna become more scarce stuff's gonna become more expensive for a while and you know at some point they will start producing again 
Um, who knows? Maybe there'll be even a, sh- a ship, a shift to stuff getting produced at home more, you know, like the United States or whatever. Um, I don't know. You know, that's what Trump always was saying they were going to do, but never really had a, uh, I never really believed in that. Uh, and I think I've been right. I don't think there's been a big change in U.S. manufacturing. I'm sure it's probably just still declined over these three years. Uh, so, so we got the Dow coming down, and uh, Bitcoin had a bit of a a bit of a downtime itself. So when this when this started off, right now as I speak, Bitcoin is at seven nine. $7,913 and $7,914 even. Um, let's, uh, let's look at the daily. Let's see where the, I forget if this was like today or a couple days ago. So we had a really nice climb. So Bitcoin got down to uh, $6,435. That was, that was, I was like mid, mid December. And from there it went up, it, it jumped up from its low and then sort of laid flat and, and then just kind of did a slow climb, uh, you know, just chunk by chunk. I mean, it, it would have these kind of bigger, faster jumps and then kind of flatten out or even decline a little bit and then big jumps and kept that up. It got all the way up to 10,500. So almost, uh, or over a, added over $4,000, which is at that point was like almost two thirds, you know, um, like a 66% climb in, uh, I'm trying to see this. I'm still my Binance app. This would be like the middle of February. So in a couple months, I mean, a huge climb. And then we had to drop, drop, drop. And now we've dropped as low as 7,600. I was told to keep my eye on 7,700 as that that should really be the bounce back. Or, you know, that's where the resistance is, I guess. And so we should... We should be really wary if it, and then if it breaks below seven thousand, that's supposed to be your out. I don't know. That's according to my my one friend. You could follow him on on uh, Twitter. He does technical analysis. His name is Knox Ridley, and uh, his fiance Beth uh, Kindig. She does uh, she does analysis of tech stocks. Um, pretty good. She's even been on TV um, on some I don't know what. CNN or something. <clears throat> so, all right. So I I don't know how much I've talked. I, I really haven't talked like a ton about crypto and Bitcoin and stuff. I'll I'm I'll be interested to see where it goes. I think at some point. So I used to own a lot of the altcoins as well, and I kind of consolidated back to Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, I originally bought Bitcoin when it was like $200, I think. Um, and, you know, boy, I wish I bought more. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's up. But I also bought Bitcoin when it was way too expensive, too. So, 
we'll, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm kind of waiting around like everybody else. Uh, but you know, I have a, I, I still have like a chunk of, of monies with regards to like my total net worth. Um, I have what would, what any investor would consider like an insane percentage of my net worth in Bitcoin. Uh, but Hey, it is what it is. That's, that's where it is right now. Um, or at least some of it, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly how much, so I don't know, man, I'm still riding on it. Like I, I heard, uh, somebody describe Bitcoin as I believe what they said is an asymmetric investment that it, it has, you know, even if the likelihood of it going to become worthless is, you know, 80% and 20% not, it's asymmetric because zero is zero, but the upside could be really, really high, you know? Um, I mean, especially back in the day, but even when you're looking at, at eight, $8,000 Bitcoin, I think that the asymmetric description of it as an investment today still holds. And that is entirely based on taking it to the limit. Like, um, you're either taking Bitcoin to like, you're holding to a million dollars or zero. And that's what, to me, the asymmetric investment essentially means i mean now hey you want to jump out at 100k or 10k i mean it all depends when you got in and what you feel safe on i'm i it'd be really interesting i mean if bitcoin went up to a hundred thousand dollars you know i bet you still have peter schiff talking about how oh bitcoin's going down when it goes down to like ninety five thousand. <laughs> uh but you know there. I still think there's a damn good chance it goes to zero. But, I mean, it's been around a while already. Um, so, we'll see. Apparently, uh, the technical analysis is definitely predicting, um, you know, a really big, big upward movement. As long as it stays over that 7,000 line. So, that's where we're at with Bitcoin today. Um as far as the claim as like Bitcoin as money, you know, I've said this definitely on this podcast before, but to me, I don't like gold is not money today, right? Like people do not use gold as transaction for transactions, right? They don't buy anything with gold or silver. Um, you could call it a store of wealth, but it's certainly not money. Um, not in any practical sense. But why is that? And I think that's simply because of the capital gains tax. You know, um, if if it wasn't for that, if, if the government didn't, you know, penalize you financially for transacting with gold, then... I, I think it's, you know, much more likely to, to sort of stay used as money. And maybe not like, oh, I'm going to buy... you know, a hamburger with like silver or gold or something, but it's still there in an option. I mean, you know, you know how much like there might be like if there there's a real like 
I, I've kind of wondered about this. Like the exchange rate was so low back in the day, uh, and now you know the exchange rate is like sixteen, almost seventeen hundred dollars. So uh, for an ounce of gold, you know, I I don't know. I just think I just think people would use it. I think I think that people, especially now with you know being able to like. Uh, what is Schiff always talk about that gold money card or whatever, you know, it was stuff like that, that, you know, you could essentially like, you could keep all of your savings, everything in gold um, and still operate in the economy that if they wanted dollars, you give them dollars, right? You have a debit card, you swipe it. It's the same thing that um, that company BitPay does. I actually don't know if they're even operating anymore, but BitPay is an Atlanta based company that kind of allows you to accept, um, any currency you want and they'll deposit bitcoin you know in your account i think they will even deposit the currency so they would take the currency convert it to bitcoin do whatever they do with it uh so at least it's i guess like logged in the blockchain or whatever and then pay convert back to dollars and pay you if you want that or whatever currency so I mean, I think you could do that, but you're still like your money is sitting in gold. Like my money in my savings account is sitting there as dollars. Now I own some gold and I own some silver in addition to the dollars. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've got a, it's just as, as much as I'm into this stuff, like I still like to have a chunk of money around that is actually money in the economy that I live in and that like everybody uses as money. So that's why I have dollars. And I believe that that is, you know, the same thing goes for Bitcoin. And so when people like Peter Schiff attack Bitcoin for not being money and all this stuff, I mean, it's yes, but gold is not money. And so the its current status as being money right now is is kind of beside the point. Like obviously gold has all of the properties to be money in an, in a human economy. It has been money for thousands of years before and in lots and lots probably thousands of different civilizations have used it or or cultures or whatever have have used gold as money, gold and silver. So it's you know, it's proven but you know what? It's not now, and it's not being used as it now. That's not a knock on gold. That's like the government's wised up, and they realized that that, you know, that was where they needed to seize the power. They needed to control the money. That if they, you know, these people, uh, I mean, they may not have been the government at the time, but some people realized that to control the money supply is to control the the country or the land or whatever, you know. That's the, that's where like the ultimate power comes in. So, you know, and that's why people think that, you know, the ultimate goal is some sort of world currency and to eventually cause a currency crisis in the United States and around the world with the, in these different central banks to then bring in a new era where... You know, in the classic problem reaction solution, the problem is they they just start pumping crazy money into the economy. Uh, the reaction is actually hyperinflation. So so hyperinflation is it does take um, human inner. It's not just so inflation comes by pumping a bunch of money. Now, obviously, you could just 
hyper print money, but I, I'm not sure how like what the government would look like if every day it was, you know, just for no reason, just like printing all this money. But the hyperinflation comes from the expectation of inflation. So the inflation becomes so high on a daily basis that, that you know, if you have a hundred bucks today, it's only going to be worth like what $50 is, you know, tomorrow. And it's just going to keep dropping. So there becomes a, uh, like everybody's basically trying to sell dollars. Everybody every day is trying to get rid of all their dollars and convert it into anything but dollars, anything not denominated in dollars. You know, get shoes, gold, diamonds, food, water, anything, right? TVs, anything is better than than dollars in a in a scenario where inflation is eating at you on a daily basis and when that happens it starts to like kind of snowball and become this sort of hyperinflation uh situation but in general hyperinflation is the combination of really high inflation rates along with then the reaction of the people to that where then they are just trying to get rid of dollars as quickly as possible so you have the problem way too high inflation the reaction people trying to get rid of all their dollars hyperinflation the solution will be oh it's not going to be gold oh we should go back to the gold standard or 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 a, a free market for currency and money obviously that is not going to be the solution that these monsters present to the world it's going to be no what we need is one central bank across the entire globe and then that bank will not be beholden to the the government it's you know and, and then it won't it won't ever do this right but it's going to be holden to the super elites that own that bank right i mean in our current model, the bank is a private institution. In that World Bank scenario, I promise you, a motherfucker is going to be private. Somewhere like underneath, you know, you lift up the skirt and it's like, what the fuck? So this thing's private, but somehow it's illegal to compete with it? Well, I mean, we've been living in that situation in the United States for over 100 years. There's a fucking private bank and you're not allowed to compete with it. <laughs> the Federal Reserve. It's illegal to compete with it. You got locked in prison. You try to create a competing currency. So, you know, to think that they won't do that on the world stage. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why you would assume that. Uh... So, you know, that's what people think. And I mean, I tend to I tend to be in that camp that that's certainly the goal. I'm not sure that like we're there or we're getting there or whatever. I you know, I I think they do lots of little stress tests, which, you know, kinda like what Monica Perez thinks of this coronavirus as like almost like a stress test to see how the reaction happens. And, you know, they'll they'll give us some solution, a little more maybe invasiveness into our health uh a little bit more control over our movement that they won't let go so we'll keep an eye on that so we hit um bitcoin and gold and the stock market i mean that's about all i i really touch economically um 
And certainly lately, I've been way more focused on like personal finances in relation to the economy and not, you know, more of the macro stuff like the jobs and jobs reports and manufacturing reports and and import export stuff, inflation, the dollar index. I mean, all these things I I you know, there's been times in my life where I've like followed all that stuff, but I haven't been lately. I've been I've been a lot more sort of introverted i guess you would say <clears throat> at least economically but you know what i've been doing better economically myself um I, I i just i've had i had a much better 2019 was was one of my best years and it, and it's not that i made like more money than other years uh well, cer- recent years i mean certainly i'm making more money now than i did 10 years ago or something but uh but I just did a lot better, you know. I talked to a financial advisor and, you know, he he kind of spent a little time to understand me. And it was, it was all free. Uh, the way he would make uh, money would be if I got, you know, life insurance through him or, or, you know, some other stuff. Or in the future, if I get into more investment stuff, I'll certainly talk to him because of how much he helped me, um, you know, I mean... I would at least give him a chance to to sort of pitch, uh, try to sell his wares to me. Um, but yeah, the the basic idea was he looked at my finances, he looked where I was, and he said, you know, it seems like you are the kind of person that when you don't have money, like when your accounts are low, you tighten up. Like you you can really tighten up, but if you have a lot of money at your disposal, you you spend it. And he said, you know, he judged that based on the fact that I had a good salary, I didn't have a lot of savings, and I didn't have a lot of uh, debt, like credit cards and stuff. So it seemed like I just sort of like spent what was there, but then if if it wasn't there, I didn't like keep spending into and onto credit cards and stuff. Um, so anyway, that was the basic analysis of me. And what he said was, uh, he asked me then to, to find out how much, like, just say, how much money, you know, do you need each month um, to live and maybe some, you know, and some extra, you know, obviously all my bills and everything like that. And, and I brought it back to him and that, so that left like X number of dollars left over. And what he said was set up another account. And what you do is you have your checks go into this savings account, which is much higher interest than a checking account. My savings account is like 2%. Uh, it's like Ally Bank. But there's a number of banks that will do it. So I have you have that money there. And then you know you have like a certain amount that you can spend each month. And you have that amount moved into your checking account. And basically, the idea is to leverage my psychology. I pay everything I need, and there's some stuff. So one of the there's another like little detail about uh, student loans. Student loans are handled a little bit differently. Uh, he actually wanted them paid out of the Allied bank account, um, and I'll explain that in a second. And since a lot of people have student loans, maybe that's interesting. Uh, his reasoning behind that to you. So, um, and I have a substantial amount of student loans, in fact. So he, uh, so the idea is 
you know, let's just say, just, you know, every check is a thousand dollars and I can save, uh, I, I need 750 to live. So that would mean like every two weeks, $750 comes into my checking account and $250 is in that ally account. But that ally account <clears throat> is just there. Like, like I don't, I don't use it for anything. Like it's not, you know, there's just, it has no purpose other than to just collect this money for now. Now that's building towards a target value. Um, let's just say, uh, whatever, $5,000. These are just made up numbers, but you know, so that means in 20 months, I would have hit that amount. And what that did is that buys me like, well, these numbers don't really make sense. You you would want a little bit more uh, runway possibly than that. But let's say that, you know, if I tightened up, if everything went to shit, I could live for a few months at least, you know, but I, I have that $5,000 there. <coughs> um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like a few months. I mean, I'm saying about 1500 a month to exist. So eat like easily... I wouldn't even, even without changing my lifestyle, I'm sorry, even without changing my lifestyle, I'm through, you know, um, like a few months. <clears throat> so the idea is in that time, hopefully you can get another job or if you were sick, you get back on your feet, like depending on, you know, your situation, but you have that buffer and, and that's like, you know, your sort of your pr prudent reserve. And then once you're done there, that's kind of like your cash on hand. And that's why I was sort of talking about with the gold, um, that even though I'm a gold person and I'm certainly taking the asymmetric risk on Bitcoin. Uh, you know, I still want this cash on hand. Um, so, you know, I keep... So now I have this $5,000. So now the next check, there's another $250. And um, what he said was, now put that all on... You know, now that you have the 5000 now he said, just straight up pay off your student loans with every extra dime that you have. And he went through the calculation and he said, basically, like, your return, if you think about it, like, if you pay off your student loans, they are like, uh, it's like a 5% return or maybe a 6% return. And he, he was saying like, and this depends on like your interest rates and stuff like that. And, and what he was saying is compare like, and this is absolutely guaranteed. Like there's no way that you won't get this return. So it's a zero risk, like a truly zero risk, 5% return investment. Um, because like you're, uh, you're basically paying it off before you have to pay the interest essentially. Like every time you pay extra, you never will have to pay the interest on that extra portion that you put in, you know, obviously in the beginning you're getting hit, you're paying a lot of the interest, but you're paying down the principal, you know, whatever. So that's the idea. And it was pretty crazy. I mean, the way I had it all, all the numbers worked out, if I was like really strict and did exactly what he said, I could have like theoretically had my student loans paid off in like six years, which is outrageous. My loans are like a mortgage. Remember, I have a, a PhD. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't do super strict what he said, but 
you know, I did a lot better than I have ever done before. I wound up buying a house, which wasn't really in the plan exactly. His main thing with the house was, if you can tell me you're going to be in Atlanta for the next five years, then we can talk about a house. But he said, buying and selling the same house in less than five years is a really bad move. So anyway, I mean, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. But nonetheless, like I am, let's say, 50% following what he said. And it's it's been really great. And, um, you know, I, and I'm, and I'm better, like I'm more on track more now than I was, uh, like before the house. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, I'm back to like the right amount of money going back into the savings account and I'm having to build it up again. So I probably, if I didn't buy the house, I could have started paying off the student loan. So, you know, you could argue that that was pretty stupid. Like I should have, waited for this economic crash and just paid off the student loans. I don't know, but I really wanted to move into a house. I just, I'm 42 years old, you know, I'm tired of renting. So anyway, um, I, uh, thought I'd just give you that little, uh, aside about what I'm doing with my finances. Uh, you know, I, I, I tend to like to talk from that perspective um and not you know say like oh you need to do this or you need to do that it's more about well, this is this is what i have done and this is what happened and you know this is you know my opinions i mean i don't i obviously will talk about things that i uh, don't have experience with but you know so that's the situation um you know that's where i'm at right now so i got a little bit of prepped i got a little bit of money stashed i got i got a little house that you know i've got like 29 years and and like eight months left uh to pay it off but you know we'll see maybe i can apply this method to to get uh you know get this paid down and quicker and get out of my student loans quicker and um you know, it doesn't look like Bernie's getting elected, so student loans are probably here for a while. Um, and uh, a bit about the election. Uh, and, you know, I actually recorded episode 40 um, this past weekend, and I somehow messed it up. I, like, was moving pieces around, and apparently I had, like, stopped and started it, and, like, I wound up, like, deleting part of it. And, and then I did something else, so then I couldn't, like, command Z back to get to it. Uh, I, I blew it. Uh, but you know what? This episode is way better than that one. Uh, I'm almost kind of glad that that happened because it was kind of awkward talking. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It felt, like, really forced. Uh, and and uh, so I'm glad I did it. I mean, I'm glad I – like I said, I just haven't really been – I get little inspirations here and there, but, um, and I'll, I'll take little notes and stuff, but I, I, I just, I don't know. It just hasn't been like, I haven't been really driven to actually record something. So I'm glad that I kind of got my mulligan out of the way and accidentally deleted half of it. Um, you know, hopefully you like this episode. And so the last piece I wanted to do was about, the presidential election right now obviously we're still in the democratic primaries and we recently had super tuesday i believe it was a week ago 
Uh, and Biden wound up doing really well. And basically everybody else dropped out. Tulsi, I believe, is still in there. But she's kind of running that like Ron Paul vibe that I think the most important thing that she is doing is at least, you know, speaking the anti-war message. <clears throat> and obviously she has other in- uh, issues that are of interest to her as well. But I think that was, <clears throat> you know, why Ron Paul hung around as well was like to keep spreading the message, to keep talking, to keep at least keep it in the news. Um, and obviously it costs money, right? I mean, they have to keep like raising campaign money. So uh, hopefully she still gets it. I mean, I like seeing her um, and I, I wish, you know, people dug her more uh didn't it's so it's so you know uh you'll hit and I, you hear if you listen to dave smith you hear him pound on this this stuff a lot but it's just kind of funny i mean all the identity politics right they just fucking cram it down your throat and then how full of shit they are when it comes to tulsi gabbard right here's a fucking woman of color like it's not even a a, a guy of color or a white female it's a woman of color like this is your you know your unicorn i mean you had kamala harris as well uh you know and obviously for the democrats you know they value the 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 like black minority is like the ultimate tulsi not you know not as much but nonetheless she's a woman of color certainly a minority um and they treated her like shit they didn't give a fuck about her and you know why because she wasn't she was anti-war i mean that was it that was the whole thing i mean i think she was like relatively like comparable to the other democrats in a lot of ways i mean i think she was really you know they would consider her very strong on climate or whatever you know what i mean but she was anti-war and they called her like a fucking russian agent you know so you know all that fucking hot air they blow and they fucking cry because elizabeth warren she was the hope you know oh a woman will never get elected well then why did you treat tulsi like shit why did you shit on her so bad if if all you care if the most important because again dave smith is really drilled his home so you can almost fast forward if if you listen to him but you know i mean i just it's so on the money like if you care you know when when warren is done the news is a woman did not get elected a woman dropped out of the race you know once again the patriarchy wins but if if that's you know so if that's all you care about well, then why, again, like, why do you shit on Tulsi Gabbard? Because it's not actually all they care about. It's because they don't give a fuck about women, actually. And they don't give a fuck about minorities. They don't give a fuck. They give a fuck about keeping the fucking war machine going. That I can promise you. But they don't care about fucking people of color. They don't care about women. It's not, they just don't give a fuck. I mean, Hillary is one of them. She's a woman. Barack, he's one of them. He's a black man. Like he's he's part of the the fucking enemy. They're they're the war machine. So, you know, it, unsurprisingly, they fucking you know shit all over uh, Tulsi and fucking praise anybody you know that that is like 
uh, pro war. And then who's the other one that gets it? To, the the other guy that gets it is Bernie Sanders, and he's like he's certainly not like Tulsi Gabbard uh, anti-war, but I mean he's he's certainly the most anti-war after her. And, and, you know, and then I think there's also the possibility that he, like, legitimately would be unfriendly to, like, you know, the huge corporations and the lobby groups. Uh, you know, I think that remains to be seen, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't think his, like, anti-war rhetoric is helping him out. So, anyway, um, let's see. We, uh... I was wondering what, um, oh, what is this? So, wondering where we're at with, okay, all right, this is, this is close enough, I guess. So, I'm wondering, like, what, what are people, what are they predicting out there right now? So, they do these, I, I don't even know what I'm looking at, 270 to win. It it just brings a whole bunch of different, like, prediction websites right now. So, 270 to win means, you know, you need 270 uh, electoral votes to become the president. So, they have a whole map of the United States, and they're marking them red and blue, and their uh, consensus outlook for the 2020 presidential election based on current ratings of Sabato's Crystal Ball, the Cook Political Report, and Inside Elections. Um, and then, whatever. So, right now, they have 248 uh, electoral votes for Democrat and 204 for Republican. And... There are some of them are like weaker than others. Um, and then there's 86 that I guess they're putting in brown. They're saying they're like, you know, they're the toss up. Uh, so in order to get from 204 to 270, they would need uh, the Republicans would need 66. Uh, so that would be. And 248, they need 22. So if the Democrats in this got Florida, in addition to everything that they've been predicted, um, then they they got it. And if the Republicans, the Republicans took PA, North Carolina, and Florida, uh, they would or Trump, you know, obviously they would get that. So uh it it's pretty interesting right like <clears throat> so there are they said there are seven winning combinations for the democrats four for the republicans and two wind end up in a tie uh and then the republicans absolutely must win the one that they're predicting is a toss-up which is florida uh <clears throat> so so i mean clearly right like the all these are predicting that uh basically they're predicting biden is gonna be the president because at this point bernie's pretty much out of the race uh I, I don't think that there's much of a chance that he's gonna get the election so biden is gonna be the winner of the democratic nomination and then you go look 
at the odds at something like odd shark and you got donald trump at minus 120 biden at plus 125 now granted this doesn't necessarily mean this is what they think is going to win for sure uh but the money moves these lines so it is to some extent i think determined by the people voting you know uh and them trying to kind of balance things out i'm no like gambling expert but and (coughs) and just so what that means minus 120 for trump and plus 125 uh for biden means that they are you know the the favorite is trump and so that means that you have to so minus means that you have to bet more than a hundred dollars to win a hundred so if you minus 120 means that if you bet 120 dollars that donald trump uh would win and donald trump wins then you would get a hundred dollars so you don't like double your money Whereas if you bet Biden at plus 125, that means if you you would only need to bet a hundred dollars, and if Biden won, you would get 125 dollars, meaning you would like walk away with 200. You started with 100, you walk away with 225, and with for Trump, you you bet 120, so you start with 120, and then you win, you walk away with 220. So. Does that makes sense. So you're betting more than you're winning. So that's what that means. And then as you go down now, Bernie is plus fourteen hundred. So if you bet Bernie and he won, you would win fourteen hundred dollars, and you only bet a hundred. And just uh, so February twenty seventh, the odds were Trump was minus one eighty, Biden was plus two thousand, and Bernie was plus two seventy five. It's pretty crazy how they go. And Tulsi is somehow only plus 15,000. She's actually moved up. <laughs> she was plus 50,000. So you bet 100 bucks in Tulsi and you'd win 50,000. Uh, Hillary Clinton is uh, plus 8,000. And somehow Mike Pence, <laughs> I guess if Trump died, I don't know, um, or like was taken out of office somehow. Uh, oh, well, I don't know if that's what that means, but anyway he's plus fifteen thousand. so they're they're saying it's as likely as pence will be president as tulsi gabbard and much more likely that hillary hillary clinton but this is for the election so it really doesn't make sense i don't know anyway so uh that's what the odds makers are saying so you have a you have these kind of like crystal ball whatever like probably machine learning like prediction algorithms and then you have the odds makers and they are not in agreement right now so yeah, we'll we'll see how this plays out. Um, I'm obviously not gonna. I'm gonna vote libertarian. Uh, I think uh, Hornberg. Uh, might even be Hornberg. Or, I think it's just Hornberg. He's. Um, let's just double check that. Oh, it's Hornberger. And it's Jacob Hornberger. <laughs> okay, so like I said, I've been unplugged a little bit lately. So we got Jacob Hornberger for Libertarian Party President. Even though I couldn't remember his name, I'm going to vote for him for sure. I mean, assuming he gets the nomination. 
I I've listened to interviews and stuff with him before. Um, he seems pretty great. You know, I don't necessarily agree with like everything. I mean, they're big. Like, uh, I, I think he might even be more like a little bit of a minarchist, but he's probably the closest thing to Ron Paul since Ron Paul. Um, you know, Ron Paul Light. That's fine. You know, Ron Paul is a pretty amazing guy, and he's still cooking. So definitely, you should be listening to Ron Paul's Liberty Report, although he doesn't seem to have been churning them out as much the last couple of weeks. Um, but keep your ears open for that. Definitely subscribe on, you know, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be voting for Jacob Hornberger, but I'm definitely going to be watching. And I'll, I miss a lot of these debates. I just cannot stand them. But I'm certainly going to be checking out Biden going toe-to-toe with Trump. I think that, uh, I mean, I don't know how much these debates matter. I don't know how many people would ever, like how many people in this crazy time right now are going to switch from Democrat to Republican or vice versa based on the debate performance. But I could imagine somebody that was going to vote for Biden and that watches him just get eviscerated and look senile when going up against Trump, just not showing up at the polls. Just, you know, they can't stomach Trump, but they can't, in good faith, you know, put this, like, senile old man into office either. So, I'm, I, uh, it'd be interesting who is his running mate. Uh, I mean, it would be really interesting if it was Hillary Clinton, because... I don't, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen a candidate run where their vice president was like a bigger name than they are. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Like Biden's just kind of the the one person left standing, right? Like you had Obama and then he basically made Biden what he is. Then you had Hillary make her attempt and she failed. Uh, and then kind of the only, you know, recognizable name from that era is Biden. But I get because I guess for whatever reason, Hillary didn't want to actually run again. And so now she would if she was his vice president. I mean, that would be really interesting. Um, I wonder how much that would sway people. You know, I, I feel like that ticket would it would you know, you could kind of garner <coughs> the female vote or at least pander to them now that you have Hillary as your vice president. I don't know. Be interesting. So I guess that's like the likely choice, but I'm not sure, you know, I don't know how, I don't know how you predict these things. You just need like insider knowledge, I think. So I'm going to be voting for Jacob Hornberger. A man is super anti-war, super against the war on drugs. He's a libertarian through and through. You know, Donald Trump, uh, I I mean, I guess I would say he's probably going to win again. Like, I, be, it's going to be really interesting to see because I, I think Biden is not going to do well. Um, you know, he did not perform very well. Maybe he did okay in the Democratic debates. And, you know, those... That crew was a bunch of amateurs. 
compared to the you know just animal that donald trump is and you know donald trump is he's that like fighter that as the completely like unorthodox style you know so it's i think you know maybe you can start to figure him out but man the first time you step in the ring with him it's gonna be really tough you can watch some film but he doesn't come with the same approach in each fight either so I already heard him talking about uh, so he was talking about something that like Biden had said on he was like and you know blah 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 and and he said this that and everything on Tuesday and then he, he kind of chuckles and goes he thought it was Thursday <laughs> so he's already going at him man and it's <laughs> and he you know and that's the difference right like like I think if Biden gets up there and says some one of his like classic just starts stumbling and mumbling around and it doesn't make any sense like Trump's gonna be like what did you just say like it did not make any sense like are you all there I, I mean I feel like Trump will just go right at him and I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's certainly going to be worth worth watching. And if that's going to be enough to win it, um, yeah, we'll see. A, uh, you know, I, something that would be interesting to look at. So, you know, like one of the big ones that comes down to Florida and how, you know, how much, how much did uh, Trump win Florida by in 2016? So... He won by 1.2%. Honestly, like, I don't know. That seems like something Barack Obama won by 0.9% uh, in 2012. So, you know, that moved 2.1%. I mean, so obviously, I mean, if it moved 2.1% again, Trump probably is losing. Like, I, I don't believe that he is losing any of these... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe some of these states that are in question would actually go to Trump. But, um, yeah, if I had the bet, if I was going to go to Odd Shark, I would take that minus 120 and I, and I would put 120 on Trump and hope that I get my 100 back. I get 100, uh, win $100 there. So uh, that's the uh, <laughs> Patrick Bradley whistling in the dark 2020 election primer. COVID-19 coronavirus primer and in, incoming recession and disaster preparation primer. Uh, so, you know, I don't know what you should do with your money. I certainly am not telling anybody to invest in Bitcoin. Uh, I'm just explaining to you why I have money in it. I think gold is always, you know, your safe place to store money. But it, it is funny, like when you see these sell-offs, people sell off everything. They sell gold, they sell Bitcoin, they sell, you know, altcoins, they sell stocks, everything goes. I have a bunch of gold stocks. I mean, they gotten hammered. I'm still like slightly up on the year, but uh not, you know, not where I was. <laughs> I've lost a lot. Uh, and those are gold mining stocks. And I, I guess I own some other stuff too, but the gold mining stocks got hammered too. So, uh, and, and anyway, but I mean, gold's doing okay now. So, uh, we, we'll see, but you know, that's kind of the beauty of gold, right? Like it's not going to crater, you know, I mean, 
It, and and I think that uh, you know a lot of people think that gold is in for like a big bull run. So this is prob you know probably a good time to get into to real actual gold. And I would think the stocks should should the the gold mining stocks should fall suit. But you know we'll see. So all right, well those were the the topics I wanted to cover today, and I'm glad I got back on the air. I hope everybody has been doing okay without me. I hope you found other forms of anarcho-capitalist and libertarian and conspiracy theory entertainment. And I will do my darndest to get back on this microphone soon. Um, and also, if you're actually still here, you made it all the way to the end, uh, I, I am recording on a, a, a number of new pieces of equipment I'm uh, really interested to hear how this comes out when I actually mix it down. Um, I'd love to hear people dig this over my previous sound, which was, this one should be a lot more warm, uh, less sibilant, uh, but it still should be quite clear. Um, but the other one was like, is uh, my other mic is, is more crispy. In fact, my other mic's actually more expensive as well, but um, I just heard really good things about this, and I wanted to give... Uh, kind of more vintage vibey uh, kind of mic a try. So that's all I got. I will uh, be back soon. Peace. <laughs>